podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by thebatmanuniverse.net. Here, we love talking about everything Batman. Thebatmanuniverse.net has news, original content, and reviews about Batman comics, movies, TV shows, video games, and more. Check out thebatmanuniverse.net and join our Discord server to start chatting with fellow fans. We can't wait to talk to you guys. Also, visit our Patreon page and join our other awesome supporters. But enough of this nonsense. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 16, Episode 3. This is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we've got just two reviews today, but this month is going to get heavy, so we'll get them going right away. First, we always we have, just have two reviews. Oh, normally we'd have one, but we have the annual. And then we've got two more issues of Batman this month, plus Detective and Batman and Robin. Oh, my gosh. Yes. All right. So I first, have no sympathy for Scott, just like I have <laughs> no sympathy for Ian. All right. Uh, <laughs> we have a little bit of news saying that uh, Katie Kubert is now the editor of the Batman title. We don't know if this is a permanent or temporary assignment. Uh, Chip Zdarsky mentioned it in his newsletter, and that's the only source we really have. Uh Ben Abernathy has removed DC from his Twitter profile, so it does look like he's left that company. But given that Katie Cooper is already a group editor of other divisions at DC, it seems very unlikely that they give her the heaviest of the comic groups in addition to her current duties. That all means next to nothing to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know what these editors do. Well, Katie Co- well, okay, so that's two questions. Katie Kubert is one of the Kubert family. That includes uh, the grandfather, Joe Kubert, who's one of the great comic artists, and then sons, Adam and An- Andy. Uh, Adam works at Marvel, and Andy works at DC. And then they've got daughters and nieces, Katie and Emma, and I think a couple others who have been working in the industry for a while. An editor at DC make sure that comics come out on time. So their entire job is spreadsheets and scheduling and making sure emails go through and getting all the pieces to the printer and then getting it to the distributor. They are not line editors, so they don't do spelling. And they technically do continuity checks, but they're not very good at it right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't be saying that if you hadn't referenced Batman Eternal saying it was Batman and Robin Eternal, so take that. Jessica Chan. Oh my gosh. You're so he's, never gonna, he's never gonna let he's it go. Never gonna, I've read that entire series go. four times. That's 52 issues plus bonuses. Four times. You are not gonna <laughs> fool me. He's never gonna let it go. 
Although, although um, it was confirmed that it's only temporary. Oh, really? Where on Zdarsky's or? No, not 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 Zdarsky, but I I, I posted the story. It was confirmed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. seems like kind of a, a stopgap. I mean, Kubert's a veteran, so it's not like they're handing this to a new editor, and I'm sure she'll do a wonderful job. But as I said, she already has an entire group that she manages. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, several. I mean, because she does like all of their horror stuff, and she's in charge of webtoons, I think. And I think, yeah, I think she does the webtoon projects also. All right. The other piece of news we have is that the one of the issues we're reviewing today, Batman number one forty-two, Joker of War Part One, is getting a second printing because it sold out. That is exciting. I'm kind of surprised that orders weren't higher because Joker plus Batman usually equals sales. I mean, that's the whole point of putting Joker in Batman. But we'll save our comments on the actual comic for the review. We interrupt this program with breaking news. Reports are coming in from listeners all over the area of incidents occurring beyond the gates of Gotham. Tactical teams are being sent in to investigate these incidents and will report back once more is known. If any of our listeners find themselves beyond the gates of Gotham, please reach out to us with your eyewitness report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. In the meantime, let's start with Batman and Robin 2024 Annual. Batman and Robin 2024 Annual. Written by Joshua Williamson. Art by Howard Porter. Colors by Rain Barredo. Supervillains double dare rob the Gotham Museum in a huge room, but Batman and Robin take them down. Inspired by the Dare sisters' plan to go on a road trip, Bruce takes Damien on their own. At a gas station in the country, Damien notices a lot of missing person posters. Some easy investigation in the nearby woods reveal all of the murdered bodies, but Bruce and Damien are trapped by a force field. At a nearby house, Roulette starts her hunters off for their new prey, Bruce Wayne and his son. Bruce and Damien pool their resources and prepare for the oncoming hunters. Setting a lot of traps, they roast marshmallows and count as the hunters are caught. Last is Bloodsport, perhaps best known from the recent The Suicide Squad film, one of Amanda Waller's Suicide Squad subjects. Damien heads to fight Roulette while Batman takes down Bloodsport. Damien livestreams Roulette's misdeeds, which alerts Cameron Chase to come arrest her. Damien and Bruce disappear from the scene, and Damien realizes Bruce set up the adventure for family bonding. I had a question. What was my question? What was wrong with Bloodsport? Like, looking at the little Bloodsport history thing, he definitely goes from a normal human to, like, a green human. And I I didn't think he was in the zombie special. I don't think he's a zombie. I mean, the fact that I mentioned the movie uh, indicates, I think, probably how much I know about this girl. (laughs) (laughs) I have zero clues. So he looked messed up for some reason. Pre. How much of this is just Howard Porter, though? No, no, no. Like, when you're looking at the little who is Bloodsport history thing, and they're doing the different times his of Bloodsport. His changes. His, yeah, he goes from a normal person to a green person. I don't know. I thought 
I've read, I thought somewhere along the way they said something happened with him going through all of these multiverses or something like that. I thought that too, but then I noticed that he was already green in the panel before he goes off to the multiverse. So I wasn't sure. My blood sport knowledge is very limited. Limited? Zilch. Zilch. <laughs> limited to zilch. <laughs> No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I mean, once you mention Suicide Squad, pass. <laughs> that actually was a really fun movie. I really like that movie. I actually prefer the TV show sequel, though, better, The Peacemaker. Okay, so people are going to at me for saying this. I still have not watched Peacemaker. That's okay. I haven't watched it's not either. for everybody. Well, I just, I just haven't had the time to. I mean, and maybe... Maybe part of it is my hatred of the Suicide Squad, but I don't know. Okay. Maybe his, picture on enough- DC f- his picture on DC Fandoms got the weird teeth and the weird coloration on his main picture profile. Maybe I'm tired of John Cena. I've seen enough of him on WWE. John Cena. Did we finish the summary? Yeah, we okay. finished it. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is... A standalone annual. So there's like three types of annuals that I've I've given this rant before, but it's been a while. There's the either finale or opening of a big story arc. So basically treating it like an exercised extra issue in the run. There's the standalone story and there's the anthology. So this is obviously the standalone story. Do you think that we're going to see Roulette and Cameron Chase again in this run or do you think this is just going to be a one-off to use the annual slot? I think we'll probably see Cameron again. I don't know if Roulette will show up again. That seemed very much just for this story, but it seemed odd to introduce a new detective, a new policeman, if you weren't going to reuse them. I mean, it, well, it, I mean, Bloodsworth's connection to Waller seemed a little odd to me since Waller is the big bad of the universe right now. Uh, but that's not roulette but anyway no you're right i mean is roulette typically a batman villain? yes uh yes but not exclusively yeah and, and i guess that's i guess that's where i'm thinking that we probably won't because i probably seen her me personally seen her more outside of the batman universe than in but that's just me i mean i know she's been i know she's been used also in the animated series and in Justice League United, and, but I wouldn't care if we see it, it, standalone story. And I don't think we see any of them again. And number two. So we have had our differences with Howard Porter's art in the past. And I, I, I think that it's fair to say that we have been willing to say that a Howard Porter story can be good. I mean, I always bring up One Bad Day Bane, but I really do think that was a masterfully drawn issue in addition to being really well written. Where on the spectrum of Howard Porter stories is this for you? Is this a wouldn't read? Is this a enjoyed because of the writing but not the art? Or is this a writing and art both did work this time issue for you? I just really dislike the way he draws children. Like the way he draws Damien. And there was the story with Damien's weird twin slash. Anyway, whatever that was. Um, Shadow War. I've blocked it. I've blocked it from my memory. But he, I think all week I was sending you guys pictures because I was working on the previews for this issue and then I read it. And there's just so many scenes where they're hunched over and they look like they're barfing. <laughs> I don't know. You should just, just draw a whole Gollum book. 
I should. Yeah. I struggle with one, how scratchy everything is. And then also like just how he draws faces and body shapes. It's very interesting. It definitely has its place. I just don't prefer it. I will say I enjoyed this in spite of the art. And occasionally there were some panels and stuff. Like it wasn't a train wreck all the way through. Um, Just I wouldn't have chosen him. We wouldn't say this is necessarily issues of uh, Shadow War. If if this had not been Joshua Williamson writing this story, I probably would not have picked it up. I am not. I haven't been a fan of Howard Porter since since the Flash run, which ironically was Joshua Williamson also. So maybe that was the reason why I tolerated it. But it's just, it's just so tough to keep my attention. It's just, just the way he draws, it just distorts any ability to visually tell the story. You know what I'm saying? You know how there's writing, but then there's that visual storytelling. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just can't, I can't get it when, when he draws. And again, like I said, I don't, I don't know what's happened since um, my enjoyment on the Flash compared to now. And again, maybe it was because Williamson's writing during Rebirth kept me interested, but I just, I can't, I can't enjoy it. Yeah, to me, this is not a Shadow War where I, I really didn't want to finish the story, but it's. It is not super enjoyable. I don't really have a whole lot more because this doesn't really tie into what we've been dealing with. And I can't see how it connects to the wider picture currently. I say it's showing that Bruce is trying real hard to be a dad and he's trying to pick activities that his son will enjoy. And so I just I loved how Damien almost degrades himself to a normal kid in the car when he's like, are we there yet? And just like he's trying to enjoy himself, but he's still expressing that, you know, this is what normal people do. I don't know if we're normal people. And then at one point, though, he says, you know, I'd love to be able to just talk to you. And that's when the bad guys show up. But I don't know. I thought it was a beautiful little story, a sneak peek into their lives as father and son and how they're both trying, which is better than them being versus for some reason. I love Batman and Robin. I don't like Batman versus Robin. So, so let's expound on that if we can, because I think you, you bring up a good point with regards to the relationship thing, because it, there was, there was that point in the story where he says, um, you know, I, I, I know what you're trying to do and I appreciate it, but you know, why can't we just accept who we are? And then, as as the attack began and they were sitting there with the roasted marshmallows that I love, <laughs> you know, what really got them going was them telling the stories, you know, as the traps mm-hmm. were going off, you know, he's mm-hmm. telling Damien how this happened and Damien saying how he learned how to set this trap and they felt more like father and son talking that way. Then in Bruce's true efforts in trying to be father and son. 
Although I would argue that this was the effort. Like, he knew it would maybe take a while, but setting, I mean, he knew that they'd be in this predicament. And so it's kind of like a scientific thing that's been proven is that if you want to have a deep conversation with someone, you do it um, either in the car when they're not able to really look at you because that not being able to look at the person kind of gets rid of some of the, the walls or the or the hesitation because you're not looking directly at the person who you're wanting to have a deep conversation with. Or you do it when you're working and your defenses is down and you're focused on working like they were here. Or you do it late at night when you're more tired, which I don't know if that counts for Batman because I don't think he ever gets tired. But um, yeah, just working side by side with the opportunity to talk. Like they, they, they're just able to, you know, talk about whatever while they're working together. I just thought it was, it was good. It was a good bonding time, even though Damon keeps saying that it it wasn't a bonding time. In the end, it did, it did turn out to to be really, you know, great. I don't know. I don't have a lot to say, but I just, I just thought it was really cute, and I really did like the issue. Okay. So let's give Batman and Robin Annual 2024 a rating out of five Bat Home Alone Traps. <laughs> Uh, gosh, you know, if it weren't for the art, I would give this a solid four. Like, I really just love just the relationship between the two. But this art, ugh, three, two, five. I will give it a three for the exact same reason. Yeah, I have to give this a three, both because of the art and because the lack of connection. Now, maybe this is a little hypocritical because I was just saying that, not saying, um, I've been thinking recently that I really liked Williamson doing his Superman stuff when he was focused more on one or two issue arcs about how Jimmy Olsen is dating Banshee. Um, And this is definitely a standalone issue. I just, I don't care about Batman versus Bloodsport. It wasn't about Batman versus Bloodsport. It was about Damien and Batman working together. It could have been anybody. Yeah, but I feel like a, a... a story with a stronger craft would have made it matter so that it was about that bond and the the actual adventure as well. I don't know. It just, it just felt a little too insubstantial as a story for a 38 page story. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to agree to disagree on that one. I really enjoyed the story. The art on the other hand. Yeah. We'll all agree that the art was just... <laughs> it definitely prevented it from getting a higher rating. <laughs> Alright, so that gives us an average of 3.08 and a mode of 3. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got a second? The Batman Universe is looking for Batman fans with something to say. If you're interested in writing reviews of your favorite Batman books, or you want to contribute original content with articles like the top 10 forgotten Batman villains, or why dead Didio's exit from DC was the worst thing to ever happen, then we want to invite you to join our TBU staff family as a writer. Just reach out to our email, tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net, and let us know that you want to become one of our writers. It's that easy. And honestly, there's no reason not to. You get exclusive access to our TBU staff Discord server. You get early access to comics. And you meet a lot of cool people. What are you waiting for? Email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know that you want to become one of our writers. 
let's move along to Batman number 142. Written by Chip Zdarsky. Art by Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, and Giuseppe Camancoli, inked by Stefano Nessi. Colors by Dave Stewart and Alejandro Sanchez. This is Joker Year One, Part One of Three. In the future, Bruce thinks about the Joker's latest crime, including the fact that there are three Jokers. In the past, Joker emerges from the chemicals at Ace, followed by two more, all laughing. They fight in the rain, still laughing. A woman comes home to find the Joker acting as if she is Joker's wife. But there's no connection. Joker even gets her name wrong. Six months later, a bearded and unkempt Joker sits alone in a house, surrounded by dead corpses. He thinks about the heists he's pulled, but wants to know who betrayed him at Ace Chemical. Detective Jim Gordon deals with the corrupt temporary commissioner, McLeod, in the aftermath of Zero Year. Corrupt detective Manny Gabris haunts Jim and McLeod pulls him in to help deal with Gordon's integrity problem. In the future, Joker is imprisoned on a cross-shaped machine by Commissioner Barbara Gordon, but an Arkham doctor is tempted to study him, and thus the Joker murders and escapes again. In the past, Joker gets into a bar fight, murdering one, but one of his old Red Hood gang friends, number 22, helps him. Another gang member calls Detective Manny and warns him, that Joker is alive and coming for those who betrayed him. Meanwhile, a dark-skinned man watches the Joker with interest. Batman stops three Black Hood gang members after a robbery, and Gordon confronts him about all these Red Hood gang copycats. Batman tells Jim that the Red Hood leader survived. Joker sees Batman and flees out of Gotham, where he is met by the dark-skinned man, who claims to be the smartest man in the world, and one of Batman's teachers. In the future, Joker infects the whole city with an audible virus spread by laughter, including Duke Thomas, whose power sucks all the light out of Gotham. So there's a lot there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. Let's start with general impressions. What what was your general impression of this first part of Joker Year One? Um I mean I liked it. It took a little reading and rereading of certain parts of the story to figure out, like, that it was two narrators. Obviously, Batman's speech bubble is, you know, always the same, so that that was easy. But it took a little bit, I think, for me to realize that Joker was also narrating and that it was, like, a second personality within Joker. I do feel like the story was a, I don't know, I don't want to say all over the place because that sounds bad. But it was very scattered. It was kind of a Tom Kingy type story where you got lots of different threads coming together to kind of threads. That's a good word. It had lots of different threads um, that I see coming to, you know, a big thing at the end. Um, this needed editor's notes. Hardcore this needed editor's notes. There, this pulls from so much source material and so many stories throughout the decades I need to know where to go read to understand what the heck is going on because I struggled. I've read, I've read Killing Joke. I've skimmed through three Jokers. <laughs> I, I have not read Batman Year Zero. 
So I was just, and the only reason I know about some of those is because that's what we talked about pre-recording. So like I was very lost and I would be lost about what to read to understand this story fully because I feel like I'm missing a lot as a reader who didn't, doesn't know her history all that well. I think that's a very fair take. So I'm going to, I am going to say with Steph wouldn't, I think this was all over the place. <laughs> um, which if this is supposed to be a year one, why are we jumping into the future? And first of all, I, I, I think we're all year one out. I mean, it seems like everyone's had one now. So can we like put them to rest? But no, I need all the year ones. <laughs> uh, I can see right now if, if someone talks about a, a Stephanie Brown year one. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I, I don't know. I, the, the the going back and forth just really threw me for a loop. I mean, you you knew that's what was happening, but considering the spiel before the first issue came out, or before part one came out. It was supposed to be a year one story. I'm, I'm looking to just get the year one story, and it's, it's that and more. Mm-hmm. Year twenty five. <laughs> we have no idea. It doesn't Where, tell us. Yeah, all we all we know though is Batman doesn't mind if the Joker dies. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I thought this was very compelling. I I enjoyed reading it. I thought it had really gripping art and strong writing. I uh, I do tend to agree somewhat that calling this a year one is a bit misleading. Because to me, a year one should always be something that you can hand to someone who, I don't know if you can say, doesn't know anything, but knows very little about the character and it serves as an introduction. And I can see the intent here, but it builds on so many things. Like I've read your uh I've read Zero Year once, and I never want to read it again. So obviously <laughs> I didn't read it to prepare for this. Uh or go back and reread it after I read this issue. I don't actually think it matters. Um I think this this issue gives you all the context you need. Uh, so you don't need to reread Zero Year. I do think that introducing the idea of the three Jokers is tricky and is kind of just there. It doesn't really explain anything. It didn't do anything with it within the story. Right. It just sort of showed that they existed and then ignored them for the rest of the story. But it was confusing because then he, you realize, he, at least I started to realize, that he's talking to himself. So at first I was like, well, is he talking to one of the other Jokers? And then I realized, oh, no, he's just talking to himself. It's almost like there's four Jokers. I am, I am, I am going to just continue this conspiracy theory of mine in that they will do whatever to ensure that Three Jokers be seen as in, <laughs> you know, despite the whole Which black label thing. Since Jeff Johns has abandoned the company completely, <laughs> like, why do they have loyalty to him when he clearly has no loyalty to them? Yeah, I, I just think they're going to do whatever to. Because I mean, there was another story where they mentioned, you know, Three Jokers, and it was, I mean, just there, and it really had nothing to do with the overall arc of the series and i want uh, i want to say it wasn't 
can't remember when it was, but it was something last year, and they were the the, the notion of three jokers were in there, and just like this, you mention it, and that's it. I mean, it's an intriguing idea. I mean, I remember hearing about it when I was first starting to get into it, and I was like, oh, what's this going on? And so I actually waited for many years for that three joker story to finally drop, and then I wasn't all that interested. But it's still, it's an interesting idea that I think, I mean, I can imagine that's just the reason they're holding on to it. And and I guess I don't understand why, or maybe maybe I can, considering... I really don't think the three joker story we got is the three joker story Johns wanted to tell. No, I, I think that I think it's much, very clear much, that he wasn't allowed to do what he wanted to do, so he just went full AU. Yeah, much much like we didn't get the Doomsday Clock. <laughs> but we to be fair, it's Johns' own fault. He waited too long. I won't, I won't, I won't always give him, I, I fault John for a lot of things. I won't give him complete blame for this because DC will F up a lot of stuff too with some of their decision making and editorial interference. I just think the fact that he's been consistently late with every single book for the last eight years is a huge him problem. Shazam. Yep. Well, and Doomsday Clock itself. It was supposed to be a monthly issue for one year. And it took two full years to come out. More, more than two years, wasn't it? I think it was like so. like two and a half. Yeah, I think so. Shazam ended up getting canceled. I get, I'm, I'm going to go to my grave thinking that, believing that they canceled it because of how late he made it. Yeah. But this is not the Jeff John Saul Tower. We're not even talking about Jeff Johns. We're talking about Chip Zdarsky. So let me try to get the discussion back on track. Back on track. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. So I think it's possible that once we have the other two parts of the story, it may be the kind of thing you can hand to someone as their first Joker story. I don't think it's going to come anywhere close to replacing Killing Joke as the story people hand to people for their first Joker story. And I say this as someone who very notoriously hates the Killing Joke and will never recommend it to anyone. <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk to you. We can't be friends. I, I have said this for like eight years now. We can't be friends. I love the Killing Joke. Like the book, not the movie. No, I know. I... Anyway, again, this is also not about the killing joke. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. It kind of, I mean, it very much is. Like, well, it it basically without an understanding right after, the kill- like one second after the killing joke or the, the but flashbacks. like I I've forgotten so much of it. Like I forgot like because I like Joker ends up being in charge of the Red Hoods, but he doesn't really want to. Right? Like I'm just so fuzzy on so much. Well, anyway. so what I gathered and. Again, I did not reread Zero Year, and I will not reread Zero Year. Thank God, me neither. What I gathered from this book, which I think is good, is that Joker was in charge of the Red Hoods, and he was betrayed, which is why he ended up in the chemicals. And now his former gang members are all scattered, and they're committing all these random robberies as black hoods and the gray hoods and like all these different colored hoods so there's all these splinter factions of the former red hood gang and they're terrified that joker's going to come back and punish them for their betrayal and i think that was 
more than adequately conveyed by the actual comic that we got. I don't think yeah. we need to reread it. So, in but so like far you as have to is, know, you do have to know that. I feel like, like you have to be at least familiar with what the Killing Joke is. Well, Killing Joke, I think you do need to know. Um, well, I don't know. I, I would question that. I think you, if you watch the Tim Burton Batman, you could, um, you could, you could go with it because, to some extent, Tim Burton Batman did take a lot from Killing Joke. Killing Joke, yeah. in terms of the Joker's origin. But I think if you if you just know that Joker becomes Joker because he falls into the vat after a fight with Batman, that's really all you really need to know for this story. Mm. Mm. I would feel like it was extra confusing because I was pretty confused, and I am decently, I am moderately familiar with a lot of it. But well, if well I would also say this isn't an origin. This is what happens after the origin. You know. Yeah. However. It presents a problem when Jim Gordon looks like he's my age now. <laughs> well, that's just Giuseppe Camincoli, and I think that he's uh, struggling to get a young Jim Gordon after doing old Jim Gordon with the James Tynan series for so long. Because Jim is supposed to be, at the very youngest, late 30s, probably early 40s in your However, in, but, and But the point is, in Killing Joke, he's Grandpa. Yes. Well, and in the recent James Tynan Joker series. I'm not, talk- oh, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the connection with Killing Joke. Well, remember that Killing Joke originally is supposed to be like a year 20 story, but they've made it a year one story because Barbara has to be crippled and uncrippled within five years. And I know that we're no longer functioning on the time- five-year time frame, but we still have Killing Joke as an early story instead of the late story that it should be. Thank you. <laughs> when you first heard that this was going to be Joker Year One, did is anything like what we got what you imagined you'd be reading? Hmm. Anything? I mean, well, are there any like things that felt like, oh, this feels like what I would expect, or no? Was it all very surprising? Usually, when it's a Joker thing, all I think is, I'm not looking forward to this, and I will try. And I feel like, so no, because I was expecting (laughs) poo-poo. And I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, The little bit of humanity left in Joker that he argues with and fights with, that was so interesting. Like seeing a Joker that still has that spark of humanity left in him. I really liked that. Um, The flash forwards, obviously, was not expecting those. The art was crazy in those. That That was insane. That was like... If if I liked if I liked messed up Joker art, I would consider framing some of those panels. Like those were that was amazing art. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know how to answer that really, other than I was expecting to hate it and I don't hate it. So I kind of I kind of hinted at it earlier. You know when I mentioned how I'm kind of year out, mm-hmm. especially when it's. Not really a year one, considering all of the time jumps. So no, I didn't. I didn't. I I didn't have any expectations. So even though we got what we got, still, you know, didn't matter much. I would say that I really didn't expect the heavy zero year focus that we got, and I sort of did expect some nod to three jokers, but not really the way we got it. I think it's, I actually thought it was kind of clever, even if a bit throwaway, 
the the moment where he meets number 22, his old gang member, uh, that really reminded me of the Stephanie Phillips Kevin plot line for Harley. I just this second, I was like, it wasn't Brian, was it? What's his no, name? It's is right. No, it's not Brian. And just before you said it, I was like, Kevin, Kevin is his name. But it has yes. that dynamic, right? It's kind of that dynamic. He's even got the body shape and the chin. Yeah, and so round. I really thought that was him for a second. But I, but I, I enjoy that dynamic. So that's not I a bad I did too. Like there was that moment where he's like, oh, I can't kill him. This guy's a friend. Like he still has that inhibition now. Like he's still – or yeah. Is it? No. He has the ambition? I don't know. He's He had the self-restraint to not kill him and sort of team up with him. So yeah, that's – I'm really interested in that relationship. What do you think of Brian, Theo? Didn't think of him at all. Really? Oh, you know what? I bet it's because he looks so much like Kevin that that's what – uh, Ian and I had been reading that Harley, and you didn't really read that Harley. Yeah, I don't. It was really good. I recommend it. All right, and I would say one of the most interesting things is, of course, at the end we have the quote-unquote smartest man in the world show up, the man who taught Bruce Wayne things about how to control his mind and how to attain various states of enlightenment and. It's a very interesting section of Batman the Night by Zdarsky. What did you think about him showing up? Were you surprised? What do you think he's going to do? I did think it was a little weird. It was a little, a little odd that he just kind of was been watching him. Like, what's his motivation? What is he doing? I don't re- He was the last one, right? I don't really remember him as well. He's the last one before Roz. Right. And he was kind of a jerk, right? He was... He was a complete like, sociopath. He pretended yeah. to have killed Alfred and Bruce's first girl crush person. Oh yeah, he was a dick. He yeah. was he was pretty evil, I would say. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of a good setup. It's not just a total flip switch of like, oh no, he's yeah. actually evil. So we but still yeah. I'm I'm curious. I don't know what to think yet. I won't say I'm curious. I will say that his appearance is not unexpected, only because Zdowski has tied the night at various points in his run. So him continuing that trait and that trend doesn't surprise me. I'm really glad he's doing that. Agreed. I also think that of the characters he could have brought to connect to the Joker, this one makes the most sense to me because... That guy was so dangerous and so really kind of sadistic when Bruce leaves him that I could really see him being connected to Bruce's greatest enemy. It felt, I mean, obviously things like Roz were plot hooks for, you know, connecting back to things like Tales of the Demon, you know, setting up the the past because the night was a prequel. But this character was original this was uh, created by zadarsky and so i appreciate that it was a setup for something that he's going to pay off himself mm-hmm. and, and i i would say i'm excited about that although it is something that again works against this being a year one so for example i would give someone batman the night as one of their first batman stories because it's it's pretty standalone and it doesn't really require a lot of knowledge maybe you want to say well who's satana who who's this but a lot of the characters are pretty new and so 
Zdarsky's creating their relationship, or at least showing us the relationship so we don't need context. We don't know who this guy is unless we've read The Night. Um, well, I mean, I think he kind of does a... I mean, unless you don't know whether or not he's lying, he does introduce himself. He's like, I taught Batman. I'm the smartest man in the world. Like, and for some reason, he's reaching out to the Joker. So he's obviously unhinged. I feel like we have enough knowledge of him in these pages to to get enough of at, at, about what, what he's doing. Sure, but I think because we've all read The Night and enjoy it, it, it feels much richer to us. Yes, but like I said... I totally forgot that this guy was in the night. <laughs> so to me, it was like, wait, wasn't he in the night? <laughs> and I think it's really interesting because there have been so many ties to the night. Um, in Mind Bomb, of course, you had Lucy, the cat burglar who mm-hmm. Bruce fell in love with. And then in Batman Incorporated Volume 3, you had a bunch of those teachers that he that were killed or at the very least injured. Especially the Disguise Master. She was one of the only ones who made it out of that alive. Um, which is kind of nice, because I like that character. And I'm glad that Lucy is still alive, too, because I like her, too. Mm-hmm. So, to wrap it up, we don't really have much to say about the future story. I mean, let me open it up. Do you have much to say about the future story, other than the art was really striking? Because I feel like that one we really need to have more context to say much about. I would have really appreciated a some kind of note... Other than the art change, some kind of note that this is the backup or a different time or for now unrelated to the current story, but whatever. If we didn't have comprehension st- skills, be like- Yeah. Although Sorrentino's art is just chunk. It was, it was very intense, and I oh appreciate that. I mean, this this was a good-looking book. I'm a big fan of Kevin Coley as well, and so it was cool seeing him working with Zdarsky. All right. So, let us give Batman number 142, The Joker Year One, Part One, a rating out of five rainbow hoods. Because there's rainbow. lots of different colored hoods that get used they by are. various members. I am... I don't know. Uh, <sighs> Is four too high? I think I want to give it a four. This is your rating, Steph. Four. four, no peer pressure. The art is fantastic. I've never been so intrigued to read Joker's POV. It wasn't too gross. (laughs) No people. There's lots of threads. There's lots of threads in here, but I'm interested in where they lead, so I I will say four. Three to five. And I'm saying a 3.75. I think it's extremely compelling. It's not quite over that hump to make it a 4 to me, but it's it's really good. So that gives us an... Oh, um, does Scott have a review? He does. Scott gave it a 3.2. So that is a 3.55. And there is no mode, sadly. But I would say this is definitely an above average story because average, of course, is 2.5. And we all definitely had more things to think about and say about both the art and the writing. And I will be very excited to talk to you guys about parts two and three. (laughs) All right, let's move to Greater Gotham. Starting with... How to Lose a Guy Gardener in 10 Days, DC's Valentine's Anthology. And there's just two stories that deal with the Batman universe. The first is Vicky Vale dating Guy Gardner. One story. One story. (laughs) There's a disagreement to the ranks. 
<laughs> and then Dude. there's a Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon date story, which also features Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Cain. Um, it's, it's cute, I guess. I, I wouldn't be worth picking up the whole thing. Um, it's fine. I feel like I've read it before. It could just be that all their date stories are the same. <laughs> they try to have a night nice out, and then they end up getting rubbed into an adventure, and then. <laughs> but it was it was fine. I mean, neutral, I guess. Whatever. One story is not enough to grab my attention. So I'm giving this uh, collection a thumbs up. And yes, this is partly because I'm starved for Stephanie Brown content. But I really did. I'm a huge Vicky Vale fan. And seeing her hanging out with Guy Gardner, I thought was really enjoyable. Uh, several of the other stories are fun. Um, I, I really liked the George Mann, Batgirl, and Nightwing story. George Mann, interestingly, has been popping up a lot. He's writing a lot of Star Wars right now, so I'm curious to see if he moves to DC on anything bigger or if this is just something that they're trying out. Batman Off-World, number three. I skimmed it and was disgusted, so I didn't read it. Why were you disgusted? Because of the Firefox... No, what's her name? Firestar, Starfire, lookalike. Tamarine. Bruce macking out together was not cool. And what's the word? Oh, she's a hussy. <laughs> no, Batman's the hussy. <laughs> anyway. The full disclosure, we, we, we had fun with all of our conspiracy theories. So one of my conspiracy theories, considering DC doesn't seem to care about time anymore is that this is possibly this is possibly Starfire's mom and she's making out with Batman <laughs> so it's possible who knows maybe <gasps> not but still just to piss Steph off Bruce is Starfire's father oh my there god this is supposed to be in between years one and two so it's possible that's just, a crack theory, man. That's definitely a crack theory. Crack. Hey, hey, it's comics. I'm gonna roll with it. <laughs> it's a thumbs up for me, though. I've been, I've been enjoying this series. Honestly, I would say this is still a thumbs up for me too. I was a little less impressed. There are a couple things that felt dumb and a little cliched, but it still got a lot of good Batman voice. Like I, I do enjoy this Bruce of Jason Aaron that he's doing. And Doug Mankey is doing a really good job on the art. Okay, I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. Jason Aaron's going to take over Detective. Gosh. Just setting this up. I just want Jeremy Adams to get that book. He would do such a good job. Okay. I don't know. He, Probably, he, might, he, he might do a good job, but you know how DC is when stuff gets good. A la Flash. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree, but I just want him to have a chance. Does he have time for it, considering his Hollywood schedule? I think so. He'd probably have to give up Green Lantern, but, you know, Detective Comics versus Green Lantern. DC Power, number 2024. Uh, and this just had, I think I said there were just two stories. There was a Renee Montoya question yeah. and Christmas Allen Spectre story and a Duke Thomas that also featured Harper Rowe and Stephanie Brown. It was, it was meh. I didn't quite get the Spectre story because I'm not super familiar with Spectre. I think I say that every time there's a Spectre story. Have <laughs> but, you I mean, read 
Gotham Central. No. Okay. But it was it was okay. That one was fine. And then uh, I think this was the worst. Crap. Who wrote the Duke Thomas story? Brandon Thomas. Yes, this was. I don't know what it was about this story, but I just I didn't I didn't get it. It was too but, short, so the yeah. ideas didn't quite make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so ne- neutral, I guess. <laughs> if I had to go strictly on the Batman titles, this is a thumbs down, and. I say that as a Brandon Thomas fan. You all know how we've been hopping on him doing The Outsiders and the fact that he brought in, of all characters, to bring in Hopper Rowe. <laughs> uh, just, I can't, there is nothing that can make me like that character. That is, oh. an, oh. that is, an, that is an automatic thumbs down. That, that it. Dustin and I got a lot of stuff in the common. That's one of them. <laughs> um, but if I had to throw in the other stories, it's probably a neutral trending up, especially the far sector story. I am just all in for any NK Jemison and Jamal Campbell. That that's just my well, chef's kiss. But um, just on the Batman title, on the Batman stories, it was just. The Brandon Thomas story just killed me, and I'm so disappointed. Yeah, that was disappointing. I didn't hate it. Um, again, I am freely admitting that I'm biased because more Stephanie Brown content. <laughs> but it was definitely a much weaker Duke Thomas story than I'm used to getting from Brandon Thomas. And I, I really feel like it's because it's so short. Um, I, I'm not convinced that all these anthologies are worth it. I understand why they do them, but... I'm just there's only so much I think you can do with a short story unless you're really really clever and even then there's only so many times you can do it well I personally think that they need to have less stories in these anthologies so that there is make them longer yeah so that there's more page count to a story just so that you can get a clearer picture right especially knowing that you know in all likelihood, we'll never get any follow-up on any of these stories ever again. Except for the crummy ones. That's the you, frustrating you know, well, thing. I won't, I won't say that because Far Sector is not, and that was a nice way to... But that one already it. had a series. Yeah, so it was, yeah, that was a nice way to bring it to an end. But I'm, I'm just talking about how you know the Tim Drake Robin series of short stories got followed up on, but Brendan Thomas Outsiders didn't. <laughs> I'm very salty about this. Well, Even as a fan of the current Outsiders book, I'm salty about this. I may have to do another call to Marie Javins. Marie Javins. All right. Uh, Poison Ivy, number 19. I just skimmed through that one, but now she's macking on some dude. And I, she I, looks like she's enjoying it. I don't uh, understand why every time I hear about this book, Poison Ivy is having a new romantic interest. No, no, no. Last time it was that the romantic interest that she cheated on with also cheated with Harley. So Harley and what Ivy cheated with, with each other. What is this book and cheating? Yeah. yeah, it's not much of a redemption story, is it? <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that because I don't think Poison Ivy should be redeemed, but I'm surprised wow. DC's going with that. Why can't she be redeemed? I mean, I know we always have this conversation. To be redeemed, she has to acknowledge that what she did was wrong. So, 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 in essence, you're not saying she can't be redeemed. You're just 
you're not a fan of how they're doing it. Right. I When I say I don't think she should be redeemed, I mean, right now, DC's idea, or at least the fandom and a lot of DC writers, are that Poison Ivy is just misunderstood and an environmental activist, and it's totally okay to murder hundreds of people because plants. And I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. But I like the also, Am- Poison Ivy A- story. It was great. Also, Amazon Fulfillment Center Managers. Murder is not the answer, guys. <laughs> anyway. This is, a, this is a neutral for me. I, I still have not read it, uh, so it's a abstain for me. <laughs> Moving to Red Hood, The Hill, number zero. This is a reprint of uh, Red Hood number, I think it was 49 and 50, but it might have been yep. 51 and 52. It was 51 and 52. Um, from right before Infant Frontier. So it was the end of the Rebirth run, and it's written by Sean Martinborough, who's writing the new Red Hood the Hill miniseries that's starting next week. Oh, so it was kind of like a little intro to it? Yes. Okay. I skimmed through it. I didn't really read it. I didn't like that Jason had this new girl. Which Technically, seemed she's like a an criminal. old girl. She's no good. Well, Are they really dating? Like, I don't, I don't know, know if I got that vibe. I didn't get that vibe, but... Okay, well then maybe but, I'll give it another go. Yeah, Steph, Steph said she's a new girl. Technically, she's an old girl, because that's from his... I mean, they've known each other since kids. Is this, oh, okay. from, is this from that old story in the orphanage? I believe so. Okay. That's a deep cut. <laughs> but they, but they, they've, known, they've known each other for years, so it's not okay. like... Yeah, she says 12 years, which is something I wanted to bring up. This book says that someone was beaten up by Batman 21 years ago. What the actual heck? Is this some weird Arkham Knight nonsense? Batman has not been functioning for 20 years. And also, I mean, that's another reason I wasn't super fond of wanting to read it, is that Jason looks so old. (laughs) I don't know. That, That timeline thing is really bizarre to me. How did they let that get past? You, um, you you answered your own question earlier. Oh. <laughs> Editors are not good at continuity. <laughs> so, for me... Oh, sorry. Uh, Theo, what's your rating here? Uh, from a setup... St- well, just from a reading standpoint, it's neutral only because I've read it before. But uh, from a setup aspect, I give it a thumbs up simply because it, it's a good way of getting readers prepared for what's coming out next week, considering this is what almost two years since the since the original story. Uh, closer to three because this would have been like November, Joker War. December twenty twenty. Yeah, that was the end of Joker War, right? Yeah, and that and we're has, in it, has it been three years since Joker War? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I was just thinking it's been it has been eight freaking years since Rebirth. I feel old. Why? <laughs> I feel old too. Technically, because I'm older than both of y'all. So, how do you think I feel? I remember reading books in college. Okay, so I thought that this was a neutral. I. It's not bad. It's definitely not bad. I am curious, but not hooked. So, that's why it's a neutral for me. I can see that, considering you read the story already. I Go actually ahead. didn't read this when it came out. Oh, you didn't? No, I was off of Red Hood at that point. It's probably why I don't remember. Yeah, I remember reading it for, for the whole Joker War thing. Yeah. 
And we're going to wrap up with the Trinity special number one. Thumbs up. It was so good. See my review on the website. An excellent review, by the way. I really, really? recommend checking out the review and the, the comic. It just came in the mail today. The comic, not the review. I didn't, right. I didn't order the review. <laughs> <laughs> we will print out your review and send it to people mail in the mail if they want. <laughs> it's a new Patreon tier. <laughs> look, look editor-in-chief taking notes. <laughs> I mean, this doesn't require any extra work on our part, so I'm fine with it. Taking notes. So, <laughs> right next to the Batman and Robin cast. And all the podcasts. I'll do that. I will do that all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a thumbs up for me. Um, I will always hate Bendis for aging up John, but I truly appreciate how Tom King did his best to give us his best Peter Tomasi Super Sons because the banter and the back and forth between older Jason, older John and older Damien is just crazy good. And it continues as they get older because the whole back and forth on, on, what the S means and how <laughs> that was so good. That was great. How Damien has a new meaning for the S in every in every part. It's just even in the new story because that last story is a new story. But even in that, it's just well, chef kiss. Is it? I thought that one was a reprint from Wonder Woman eight hundred, and it was five. only the white. Yeah, it was the just the mother and, a, the, mother and daughters. The fourth story was the only new story. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. The last story is a new story. No, there's five stories. Yeah, there are five stories. So yeah. many stories. Yeah, but the last one, it's a new one. No, the last one was from Wonder Woman 800. So the, oh, the thing what? that's confusing is that the last story segue, it, the, the second to last story segues into the last story. So it yeah. feels like so the fourth story. story is the new story. Yeah. Yes. And the fifth story is the reprint. Right. One of the other. And then, and then they're going to start all over again. But yeah, well, I mean, up. number six. Uh, we have uh, Virgin Ears. <laughs> there is going to be more Super Sons and Trinity. So keep reading. They will, we will keep reviewing it as long as they keep putting it in the Wonder Woman. <laughs> and it's got me reading those Wonder Woman stories, and I'm really enjoying them. Yeah. Is, the, is there an interest? Is there a real interest in finding out who Trinity's dad is? I mean, yeah. Adele and I both think that it's probably not even Diana's daughter. We think she's adopted the evil Amazon who murdered those dudes in the bar. Yeah, I just I just got to that part in the story where they reveal that yeah, Emily or whatever her name was was pregnant. Wait, what happened? Because again, I'm you not. Re- I'm, I'm 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 behind on Wonder Woman. So at the beginning of Wonder Woman, an Amazon murders like eight dudes in a bar. And recently it was revealed that that woman in the bar was pregnant. And so because they found one drop of blood and they did an analysis and found out she was pregnant. Right. And Wonder Woman has had like zero romantic interest in any person at all in this series so far. Now we're only six issues. Well, yeah, five, six issues in. But and she's friends with what's his butt. Yeah, but like it's very friends. It's not romantic like if you look at how greg rucker wrote them when he was writing them as romance uh like it was very clear from the start that they were in love 
So I don't know. this is this so, is not the Wonder Woman cast. <laughs> but let's see, but yeah, open up a can of worms. Who's the old guy in, in the prison cell? Sovereign. Sovereign. He's like He's narrating the story. He's like every conspiracy theory come to life. <laughs> he's the old money in control of America. Yeah, like he oh, comes from a line yeah. of kings who have secretly been in charge of America for 300 years. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, I remember him. It's so weird. I don't know. I, I, I think, hey, it's so, I think something happened. I can tell you right now. So Tom King's writing this story. We're going to find out something actually did happen in the second part of Date Night of uh, Super Friends. Oh, God. <laughs> Please, no. I don't want it. I don't want it. And the Batman world will go insane. Batman is the father of Trish. Oh, my gosh. No. no. I don't no. want it. Hey, she's already calling Damien brother. Let me take this. called John, too, but still. Oh, my God. Um. Okay. <laughs> this story have... is a thumbs up for me and we're gonna leave it there we're all gonna have nightmares tonight the, um, <laughs> wake, the, up, uh... wake up screaming fuck you Tom King <laughs> oh, you're gonna make me bad bleeps uh, the Batman Superman world's finest wasn't TBU even adjacent all that much but there was a cute little mixel pixelic and the just us league at the beginning that was kind of funny so it had a bat, it had Batmite in it, and that's that's the only connection to TBU in that whole book. <laughs> I, I say Vicky Vale counts more than that. <laughs> no, I'd say Batmite counts more than that. Oh, fight, wow, fight, fight, salty. fight, fight. Okay, so uh, let us move on to thanking our patrons. So if you are a patron at a certain level, and um, you get a fallout of thanks on our podcast. So, thank you to Lisa Slack, Stanton's Grave, Johnny McCloskey, Ian Miller, Ed Grouse, David Richards, Joshua Lappenbertoni, Captain America, Donald Townsend, Rob O, Caspian73, Brandon Roberts, and Stephanie Mounts. Thank you all for helping keep all of our back catalog of episodes on the website so that anyone who comes in and is a new Batman fan and says, well, what about what was it like in 2010 when they were reading all the Batman books? <laughs> you can hear that because of patrons keeping our servers afloat. And it's the reason that I am here, actually. Indeed. Because I listened to all of them until I got cut up and then Stella was going to go in hiatus and they wanted to substitute. And I said, I'll do it. And then Stella never came back. <laughs> so... That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. This is Ian. This is Dev. And this is Theo. And we will see you next time with so many reviews. <laughs> Setting a lot of traps, they roast marshmallows. <laughs> I love marshmallows. <laughs> is that I part do. of the summary? <laughs> I didn't write that. No. No. <laughs> I don't even know he. I don't even know if he noticed I was typing right behind. I him. did. I was writing <laughs> while you were doing it. He said he typed it, then I go right behind him and put in parentheses. I love marshmallows. Okay, let's try that again. Mm-hmm.